First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There was a day that I was a nobody from nowhere, but God reached His hand of mercy to where I was. Now let's read from this 47th Psalm, verse number 1. It tells us this, Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to preach to us on this Pentecost Sunday this message. I still believe in shouting. I still believe in shouting. Would you lift your hands and let's worship the Lord and ask Him to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we feel your presence in this house. God, you've already anointed the singers and the musicians. You've anointed the Sunday school teachers in the classrooms. God, we're asking right now that you would speak to us from your word. Let your word do what it's designed to do. Let it encourage and empower, equip and endow and enlighten. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to the person beside you, look at them in their eyeballs, and ask them, have you been working out? Because you look good today. Somebody said that with conviction. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, throughout the Scriptures and down through the years, the people of God have been defined by certain attributes, lifestyles, and practices that regardless of our culture, our color, or our creed, we are all united by the call of God. The call out of darkness into His marvelous light. The call out of sin and been given salvation. The call out of bondage and given the gift of freedom. We are all surrounded by that same call. And even in the scriptures, we find that call came to a man by the name of Abram. The Genesis, the 12th chapter, we find that God reached for him and he called him, called him out of his homeland, called him away from his family called him out of his comfort zone. and He had to go looking for a city that had foundation. But whenever you respond to the call of God, you are always given a promise in return. You don't just respond and nothing happens. But when Abram responded to the call of God, the Lord spoke to him in Genesis 12 and 3. He said, I will bless him that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. 
He said, there is nothing quite like the blessing of heaven. And if there is a characteristic about a believer and a child of the king, it is that we are blessed. We are blessed going in. Uh, we are blessed going out. We are blessed in the city. Uh, we are blessed in the field. We are blessed on the mountain. Uh, we are blessed in the valley. We are blessed when we wake up. Uh, we are blessed when we lay down. We are blessed in the morning. We are blessed in the evening. We are blessed on the road, and we are blessed at home. Don't let anybody take your blessing. Uh, because the enemy... And the adversary of our souls will try his best to make you feel like you are inadequate, like you are not deserving, and you are unworthy of what God wants to do in your life. And it's his business to try to disrupt and discourage who we are. I remember when Ashley and I were first married, we got engaged, and at that time, she lived in Ohio, and I lived in Indiana. So when she moved over to Indiana, she had to go to the BMV to get her license changed to a new state. And if anybody's looking for two or three hours of great fun, just go to the BMV. You'll have the time of your life. And so we waited patiently, and we waited and waited and waited and finally our number was called and so we had all of our paperwork together and sat down across from the clerk and had everything together we made sure we had dotted every i and crossed every t and began to explain the situation and what we needed done and so the clerk explained I'll do everything on my end it seems really easy so she started typing away on her computer and after a few moments, she just kind of said, huh, and just kept kind of working. And after a little while later, she said, hmm, and uh, usually that's not a good sound that you want to hear. And finally, I just kind of spoke up. I said, well, is everything okay? And she said, well, there just seems to be a little issue here. And I said, what seems to be the issue? And she said, well, this account has been red flagged. I don't know what that means, but that does not sound good, red flagged. I said, well, what's going on? What do we need to do to resolve this? And she said, I, I better get my supervisor real fast. And usually when you don't ask for the supervisor, but the supervisor comes on their own, that's really not a good sign. And so she sat down on the other side of the desk and looked at the computer up and down and was looking at the paperwork in front of her and few minutes had passed, and I just couldn't stand it any longer. I said, what seems to be the problem? And she said, well, the account here says that uh, she has been red flagged. I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, it means that she has a warrant for her arrest. That's a real problem right there. And, uh, and Ashley began to speak up then. She said, what do you mean a warrant for my arrest? And they said, well, it looks like when you got pulled over in Louisiana on suspended license. She said, well, there's only one little issue, and that is I've never been to Louisiana, let alone drove in Louisiana. So how can that be possible? And come to find out there was another Ashley Smith 
with the same birth date that was driving on suspended license in Louisiana. And when the officer put it in the information, guess who it went to? Here we're standing at the BMV and the police officers are coming. And we said, no, we got to clear this up right now. Hey, it's an unnerving feeling to have your identity placed under question. That's not the best and most comfortable situation. When you know who you are, but somebody else is saying that is not who you are. And when it comes to Jesus, he had something very similar unfold. In Matthew the 16th chapter, he was preaching and teaching. And he was surrounded by his disciples and he simply asked them a question. In Matthew 16 and 13, he said, who do men say that I am? And when he asked that question, the answers came back. Oh, some say that you are Elias. Others think that you are one of the prophets. And some even consider that you just may be John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. But then Jesus, in verse 15, looked at them. He said, but who do you say that I am? I don't care so much of what the popular opinion of the day is. I don't care so much what the outsiders are saying about me. But I need to know who am I to you. Uh, we're not sure how much time passed, but we know there was a man by the name of Simon Peter that stood up and he stayed silent as long as he could handle it. And he stood up and he said, I know who you are if nobody else does. He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And when he said that, Jesus looked at him in verse number 18. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I find it interesting that the moment Peter told Jesus who he was, Jesus said, now let me tell you who you are. Our identity is all wrapped up in who Jesus is. It's not my talent. It's not my ability, accomplishments, or accolades. It's not our insight, intelligence, or ingenuity. It's not our prosperity, proficiency, or productivity. It's not our efficiency, our education, or expertise. It's not our mastery, our means, or our money. But we are who we are. Because Colossians 1.27 says, Is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you, greater is he that is in me, than he that is in the world. I'm thankful I know who it is that lives inside of me. I know the power that he possesses. Isaiah 6 and 3 says that he is holy. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says he's just. Psalm 145, 17 says he's righteous. Psalm 31, 21 says he's kind. Psalm 145 and 8 says he's compassionate. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says he's meek. Deuteronomy 10 and 17 says he's mighty. Psalm 104 and 1 says he's great. Nehemiah 9, 31 says he's gracious. 
Psalm 104 and 1 says he's great. Isaiah 41, 13 says he's helpful. Nehemiah 9, 17 says he's merciful. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says he's faithful. Ephesians 4, 32 says he's forgiving. Psalm 94, 19 says he's comforting. Psalm 3, 3 says he's uplifting. Exodus 34 and 6 says he's long-suffering. Psalm 147 and 5 says he's understanding. 1 John 3.20 says he's all-knowing. Hebrews 13 and 8 says he's unchanging. Isaiah 48.28 says he's everlasting. Uh, I'm thankful that doesn't even scratch the surface uh, of who he is. Because 1 John 4.19 says he is loving. Uh, Hey, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that the God you and I serve is a God that loves us. He loves us when we are low. He loves us when we are lonely. He loves us when we are lost. He loves us when we are broken. He loves us when we are bitter. He even loves you when you're backslidden. His love knows no boundaries. His love knows no limits. Ephesians 2 and 4 says God's love is great. John 3.16 says God's love is giving. 1 John 3.16 says God's love is sacrificial. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 says God's love is patient. God's love is kind. 1 John 4.18 says God's love is perfect. God's love is fearless. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Song of Solomon 8, 7 says many waters cannot quench his love. Floods cannot drown his love. The scripture says the heavens cannot contain his love. The earth is filled with his love. You can't talk about God and not talk about love. And you can't talk about love and not talk about God. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. That's the love that we have today. The love that is extended to us even though we are unworthy. Even though we are undeserving. Even though we are unfit. Even though we are unsuited. Even though we are unqualified. What manner of love is this? Romans 5 and 8 says that a man will lay down his life for his sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if he would do that for me, then I can praise him in return. Because praise is an attribute of a child of the king. You know that somebody is thankful that when they are going through adversity, when trouble has knocked on their front door, when hell has attacked them, and when the enemy has unleashed his fury on them, that they can still come into a sovereign sanctuary even though they may not be feeling well in their body, even though they may be dealing with pain, even though there may be uncertainty about the future, but they can still come in with their hands raised and their voices lifted and say, He's still good. He's still wonderful. He's still amazing. He's still magnificent. There's nobody like Him. 
The hundred psalms says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations that is what we have we have the truth we have the truth because Jesus told us in John 14 and 6 he said I am the way I am the truth and I am the life Uh, he said uh, you shall know the truth John 8 and the truth shall make you free Psalm 119 and 30 says I have chosen the way of truth. 2 Corinthians 13 and 8 says, We can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. The truth is going to march on. The truth is going to remain long after I leave this place called earth. And if I have his love, and if I have his truth, then surely I can come here with lifted hands. I can come with my voice raised. I can come with a dance in my step. I can come being able to jump and leap that he called me when I didn't deserve it. I was lost and undone. I was going to a devil's hell. I was messed up. I had goofed up. I had tripped up. I was nobody from nowhere. And so I've got to praise him for what he's done for me. I just can't stay silent. I can't stay speechless. Somewhere at some point, I've got to open my mouth and just shout. That's what the psalmist said. He said, oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Because when you shout, throughout the word of the Lord, shouting didn't come after the battle, but it came before the battle ever started. The Israelites would walk out on the battlefield, and the Bible said they would shout until the ground started to shake. They would shout until the enemy became concerned. They would shout, and then victory would come. When they marched around the walls of Jericho, it was silent. The walls stood up tall. The enemy was laughing and mocking and ridiculing. But on the seventh day, on the seventh lap around, the instructions came. It's time to shout. And when they lifted up their voices and they shout, when they began to shout unto the Lord, the scripture says the walls came tumbling down. They didn't even have to lift a finger, but they did have to lift their praise. They didn't have to bring back the bow, but they did have to lift their worship. Do you want victory in your life? Do you want a blessing in your world? Do you want to experience the Holy Ghost supernatural touch of heaven? I'm going to tell you how you do it. You do it when you lift your head up high. And you do it when you lift up your voice and your hands and shout. 
Shout unto the Lord. Sometimes you just got to shout. Somebody ought to just take a moment and praise the Lord here. Somebody ought to just lift your hands up in the air and let a praise out to the Lord. I still believe in it. I still believe it can move mountains. I still believe it can snap the enemy. Do you feel something shifting in the atmosphere? Do you feel something moving in your soul? It's when people begin to shout unto the Lord. I was with, I was with a group of pastors not long ago. And... Uh, some of them have some different types of leanings. And, and uh, one of my friends, a pastor, and he asked me the question. He said, do you still go to churches where they dance? I said, you better believe it. He said, do you still go to churches where they run the aisles? He couldn't believe it when I told him. I said, yeah, I do. He said, do you still preach in places where they shout? I said, not only do I preach in those places, I'm running with them. Not only do I go to places that shout, I shout with them. Not only do I go to places that dance, I dance with them. Because he called me out of darkness. He called me out of bondage. He called me out of addiction. He called me out of sin. I've got to worship him. I've got to shout. I still believe it can move. I still believe it can change. I still believe it can deliver. I still remember where I was the first time I ever shouted. Huh? And the basement of a drug dealer's house. I know I've shared it once before. But addicted to every drug you could sell. Sold everything there was to sell. It was everything my family had done. It was everything that I had done all my life. Lived in the inner city. Didn't know anything else. But in the basement of this drug dealer's house, I felt God speaking to me. I didn't know what that felt like. I didn't know what that uh, could have been. And so I just kind of ignored it. A little while later, it happened again. I felt like God was trying to speak to me. And I'm looking around at everybody else. and They don't seem to be phased. And so I'm not phased. So I just keep on doing whatever I was doing. And finally, it happened the third time. When God reached for me the third time, I decided I've got to do something. Went, stairs, went to the upstairs of this house and found a room that nobody was in. And 
shut the door, locked it, got on my knees and started praying best I knew how to pray. And I prayed and I prayed and I didn't feel anything. You ever prayed before and you didn't feel anything? I prayed, felt nothing. And I remember standing up saying, God, I'm not even sure if you are real. But if you are real, would you let me know somehow, some way? I was so tired of living in that lifestyle. I was so tired of being held captive. I was so tired of being held hostage. I was tired of looking over my shoulder, not knowing who to trust, not knowing who to believe. I said, God, just let me know that you're real. If you'll do that. I went over to the edge of the house and looked out this window and saw these clouds in the sky. There was nothing magical. There was nothing mystical about it. I'm just standing there looking at the clouds. But as I was standing there, I felt something come from the top of my head all the way down to the sole of my feet. Woo! Something I never felt in cocaine. Something I never felt in crystal meth. Something I never felt in marijuana. I said, God, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, but I'll pray to you again. Got on my knees and opened my mouth to start to pray. I started speaking words I didn't understand. Started speaking in some kind of different language. They told me later, that's how you know you received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. But I'm going to tell you what I did next. I started to shout. Didn't know why I was shouting. I said that to say this, that if God could fill a no good sinner like me with the Holy Ghost in a drug dealer's house where there was nobody coaching me on what to do and nobody telling me what to pray, if Pentecost came to a dope head in a dope dealer's house, what do you think he could do on Pentecost Sunday at RAC? RAC? 